and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. My name's Ed, and I'm joined today by Nick. Hello. And Paul. Hiya. Today, instead of bringing our questions around a certain topic, each of us are bringing a favourite Bible story. And maybe favourite's the wrong word. We're bringing a Bible story that we find interesting or something in it strikes us um, in some way. And we're just going to ask some questions around that. And we're going to ask each of us the same three questions. One is, what does that mean for us personally? What does that mean for in our day-to-day lives? The second question is, what does that mean for us as a community? What does that mean for our church, for our... um, for where we live? And thirdly, what does that mean for the world? So kicking us off today with their favourite Bible story is Paul. Yeah, my Bible story is the story of Noah. Right. That's it. (laughs) What's it about, Paul? Um, It's about a bloke. Um, So so Noah's about, um, it's about Noah. Okay. Um, And it's about God's challenging noah um giving him the task of building an ark because he's sending a flood um so he's he's tasked with essentially restarting the world after the flood Mm. um and the pivotal part what's that he's got a big gig he has got a big gig um and yeah crucial part of that is um after after the flood and after the world is essentially in noah's hands um God says that he will never do that again and sends a rainbow. And that's the bit we all remember from Sunday school. Hmm. So that's, it's a really, really famous story. That one, isn't it? Like one of the first ones you open up in like a kid's Bible story book. That's, that's in there, isn't it? So what, what is it that even now, I guess that you've, you must've heard that story hundreds, thousands of times. What, what is it that strikes you particularly about that story? Yeah. I think like you say, it's one that, I would say most most people are aware of at least, and definitely every everyone who's been to a Sunday school has probably heard the story of Noah's Ark mm. um, and the animals going in two by two and so on and so forth. Um, but I think the thing that strikes me with that is the way that the more I've thought about it, the more it's changed, and my perception of it has changed over time. Yeah. So, like like we say, we learn about it in Sunday school, and it's about God's forgiveness and Noah saved from this flood. And um, God sends a rainbow to say that he'll never do it again. But the more you look into it, the more we can talk about God destroying the world and being really destructive and angry and that not really making sense with the God that we talk about and the God of love and Mm. a God that I believe is of purely love. Yeah. Um, And that's a a difficult one sort of um, philosophically to to get your head around. Mm. Um, But the reason that I wanted to talk about it today is I think we've had the discussion before. I'm really hope it's not on the podcast because that would that'd be <laughs> awkward. Um, but I think um, we've talked about how I know there's, I think I was, when I was researching it, there's about 270 different cultural references across the world to a flood of some description. Mm-hmm. Um, and across all these different versions in different religions or cultures or um, theologies, um, the the part about the forgiveness is very rarely included apart mm. from in the Christian or in the old Testament, basically. Um, the God is in those stories, the gods are gods of destruction. Mm. Um, and it's chosen, it's chosen to save the ones that he holds as his faithful ones, which we uphold in the story. But then I think the important thing 
is making the the the, the difference between a god of destruction and a god that is forgiven and i think that's maybe the most important point in the in the story that our god is a god of forgiveness and love hmm. where do you see the two um kind of tying together i guess it's an open question for, for everyone really but obviously that that forgiveness comes off the back of the destruction doesn't it so uh, that that's to me is where there's a little bit of a i guess a bit of a paradox really um whereas when you compare that to uh, maybe like the Easter story where you see is not the same but a kind of similar um, kind of thread. Do you do you see this is kind of a any tension there for you or is that is that just me? <laughs> no, I think I think there is there is some definite um, contradiction in that. Um, I don't want to say it in the wrong words and offend people, but I think personally, I think the story of Noah is used as a story to um to put into perspective the 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 way that we believe our god is compared to a lot of other gods in all the other cultures i think it's a, a good way to sort of to make an analogy of saying this is a god of destruction but but in our in our faith in the way that we believe we believe in a god that is forgiven so it, the same story happens but at the end god forgives hmm. And I think it, it kind of makes a distinction in the way that we see our um, our God as opposed to a lot of other religions and cultures. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of um, of taking a story that is well known in culture, or taking something that is a story that's heard all over the world, and they he- hear it in a very specific way, and then they just change that detail at the end which makes you think, oh, there's something different about this God that they're talking about here. So through the life of Jesus, we know that God communicates with us through story sometimes. Like, I, I think it's safe to say that God is like Jesus. I think we can all agree on that. Well, I hope so. And um, Jesus taught through stories, didn't he? And personally, I, I don't think it's too far reaching to assume that God potentially could have done the same throughout the Old Testament as well as the New. Maybe that's really controversial. Let us know if you totally disagree and you're shouting at your phone in the listener lounge. But um, yeah, for me, I, I would I would agree with you that it 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 seems like um, the the actual un, to actually understand who God is is incredibly difficult for anyone, and especially for a context that has an understanding of deities, an understanding of the divine as something that is cruel or something that is. Um, there to demolish and destroy um so taking these stories that they knew and then changing it to just gradually people bring people's mind round to an all-loving god makes a lot of sense to me um so whether it's like actually happened in real life exactly the way it's written in the book or or not is kind of it's neither here nor there I, i love the phrase of saying whether it's true or not doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't contain truth um, and there's a bit of a distinction there as to whether it actually happened as to whether it, it can lead us into deeper understanding of who God is. I suppose that, that for me kind of ties in, I can share what I believe personally aside from everything else, but, but when I read Genesis, um, when I see about creation, for me that's, um, that's a story, that's a, a, an allegory to, mainly to, to um, show God's nature in creation whether that's actually factually moment by moment as it's written in the Bible, I don't think that's 
important. I think that the overarching picture is that God is a creative God. Um, so whether that, I mean, that can tie into some other theories that are perhaps more scientific than religious. Um, but for me, I'd, I think I'd agree. I'm not sure that there, there has to be, uh, it has to be factually accurate to contain a truth. I think that's the whole point in, in good storytelling is conveying a message or um, a notion that, that strikes a chord with people. Um, and we see, like I say, we see that throughout the Bible. I know the report, I might come under a bit of fire for that. And I, I'm happy, <laughs> happy to discuss that with uh, with people in the Little Lounge or, or outside of that. that. That'd be great. Maybe that's another, another conversation to have. But um, for me, that's where that sits. And I think um, the story you mentioned as well, uh, Paul, kind of ties into that as well. Same, same book, of course. So. Mm. So let's move on to the first of our three questions that we're going to ask of each story. And that is, um, what does that mean for you personally, for the way you live out your life when you read the story of Noah? What does it challenge you on? And I think that we always have a temptation of reducing stories like this to some sort of bland moral message. And I, I don't want to go completely down that rabbit hole. But um, yeah, I, I wonder how how does it influence the way you live your life just on a day to day, this understanding of of Noah? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, really. I think, um, although I think it says that God chose Noah because he was a good man, um, he did have his problems, and later on in the story, he gets to be a drunk for a while. Um, so I think remembering that God chooses people that aren't perfect, mm. um, and God uses those people in in great ways. Um, I think remembering that God is a God of forgiveness and he's a God that keeps his promises. Yeah. Um, but then also in looking at the sort of the slightly different spin that we've put on that in terms of showing you using a, an example from maybe from other culture or from that's a, sort of a well-known story and putting a different spin on it to, to teach and to explain. I think it's remembering to stay relevant to the people that we're talking to and not just saying the same things over and over again that we used to say because of that's what we do. And that's our tradition. Mm. And to actually look at, well, actually what's relevant to the people that we're talking to and mm. kind of not, not, not changing the message, but adapting what we're saying and how it's coming across so that people understand our point of view. Mm. I guess that in a way that answers the second question as well is what is, what is this as a church community about that, that thing of how we share the gospel and how we talk to people and being relevant. Yeah, I was a bit too efficient there. But I think that's the main the main point that I want to get across with that, yeah. really. Um, yeah. yeah, that relevancy that you said there. I mean, we're talking about a, a story here that's thousands of years old. So are, are we? I mean, are we saying that stories are always relevant? I guess. Like, I, I, I guess that's something for me to take from it. I've not really thought about. Is we're talking uh, about a very old story that's still relevant now. So sometimes do we dismiss things, thinking that's not relevant for 2020, when really there might be some truth in it that, that's eternal. Yeah, it's a really interesting, really interesting point. And uh, the the dates that I found with my sort of very limited research, so I could be wrong, I apologise if I am. Um, but I think the first recorded flood sort of um, story in that that's reasonably close is dated around 2700 BC. So we're talking four and a half, five thousand years worth of this story being told over and over again um, and putting God's spin on it and that's that's quite a missional tool mm. yeah that's amazing really isn't it 
came out the same story. It, yeah, I love. I this sounds really kind of airy, but I love the idea of like generations of of humanity being told the same story and like that's something that ties us together in a sense that um we've all grappled with these same questions of morality um whether that's today or 5000 years ago and i think that's really cool that you know what what it means to be human is still something we we address through stories and it's still something that we um we we don't just you know theorize we talk about it in the nitty-gritty of what um what it's like to actually live it so yeah it's cool um so the third question is what does it mean for our world what what's the um meta large picture big scale um point to this story that you you think could could do something for our world in 2020 well i guess especially in 2020 when things look almost um unable to come back from yeah the point about forgiveness and that God is a God of restoration um, mm. is is something to sort of hold on to in, in hard times. Yeah. Um, I just thought as well, the, sorry for interrupting you, but um, throughout lockdown, people were posting rainbows in their windows that's as a true. sign of hope <laughs> um, during lockdown. So th- this is a, yeah, a story that has influenced culture so much that even in, you know, a, a post-religious culture, like we live in, in the UK, those symbols still hold weight and still have power. Yeah. And they're still showing the same message of hope, really. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, that's all that. Yeah, so I think that wraps up for um, the Noah section. So, Ed, what was your Bible story? So, my Bible story, Paul, was Jonah. And there's some rolled eyes here. And um, I do talk about Jonah quite a lot, if you know me, but it's... I, I I think especially in the last couple of years, Jonah's become more and more just a real favourite story for me and something that I think is really powerful. And um, yeah, I think I, I grew up not thinking too much about it, to be honest. Um, it, it hasn't been a favourite story um, since I was young. If you'd asked me when I was like 10 or 11 what my favourite story in the Bible was, I would have said Revelations 12 because it's got a dragon in it. Um, so... Uh, yeah, that's changed slightly. But the the thing about Jonah that I love is, well, if you don't know the story of Jonah, which if you don't go read it, because it's great, it's really short and it, it's really, really cool and weird and funny and yeah, just good. Uh, so Jonah um, is uh, a prophet in a way, but he's not a very good one. He, he messes up a lot. God tells him to go to Nineveh and he just says no and then goes completely the opposite direction. Uh, gets on a boat, tries to sail away to Tarshish uh, to escape, and then um, the sailors throw him off the boat, um, and he gets swallowed by a whale, which spits him back out on uh, a beach, and then he goes off to Nineveh in the end anyway and preaches uh, to the people there, which uh, God has been telling him to do. And throughout the whole thing, there's this theme of Jonah hating a group of people. Jonah hates the Assyrian Empire, and for good reason. They were awful people. They would execute people in the most horrific fashion and just display their bodies for all to see. And um, Jonah and his people just hated them. Um, and then God tells him to go to Nineveh, which is like the capital, ci- um, their capital city, and go and preach the preach to them and tell them that. They need to turn from their ways. And the thing I love about this is that Jonah runs away, not because he's scared, although he, w- he would have been definitely scared, but bec- he runs away because he knows that God will forgive them. 
And for me, I guess this is answering the first question in advance, but the point for me is that um, I personally, the way I found it, it's helped me is that I really struggle with the Old Testament sometimes. Um, like when we spoke about Noah there, trying to get my head around some of the atrocities that happen in the Old Testament and hold that up to Christ and just be like, how how is this God that we see in Christ the same as God we see in the Old Testament? And I, I really struggled with that. And for me, Jonah is just that ray of light in the Old Testament where suddenly we see people treating God and God treating people the way I expect him to, or the way that I, I in a Christ-like manner, I guess. And just the fact that before Jonah even goes there, he's like, I know you're going to forgive them and I know you're going to try and bring them around and I know that you love them. And he doesn't want that because of his, he hates them. So it's human, it's humanity struggling with forgiveness and God just pursuing us to getting us to forgive, getting us to love even our enemies and even those that wrong us. Um, and yeah, there's so much more in, in the story than that. And if you, if you're interested, go listen to, um, there's a podcast called exploring my strange Bible and they do a, like a, four or five part series on Jonah and it's just excellent. Um, so go listen to that if you want in-depth Bible study, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I love it. That's, and that's the reason. (laughs) Again, do you think we can get tied up in the details of the story as in it was, he swallowed by a whale wasn't, how did he end up on the, you know, I think that, yeah, is, is that missing the point? Oh, I think so. Definitely. And the annoying thing with Jonah is that it's always reduced to the whale, isn't it? And what that's like two lines in this story, two two sentences or something silly. Um, it's it's really not the point of it. Um, but that's the thing that you can visualize. You can put on the front of a children's um, storybook. And I, I think sometimes we leave it as a children's story, and it really isn't. It's got such a deeper message um, for our society. And yeah, whether it's true or not, I don't I don't really care. I for me, it's. I would approach it as a an Old Testament parable, something that didn't necessarily happen but contains real truth. And maybe it did happen, but it's been written in a satirical style. It's been written in a style that is there to be over the top and entertaining and draw you in. It's it's clearly yeah, it's clearly written in quite a particular literary style when you read it. It's it doesn't read like a lot of the uh, the rest of the um Old Testament. And yeah, I think for me that that all points towards um, the fact that well, the idea of it being true or not as being less important than actually what is the truth in it. Yeah, I think I've I've either read before or someone's told me, and it might be you that did both, um, given that the other person who talks about Jonah. Um, <laughs> but um, I'd read that it was it's almost written like it would have been a pantomime, and that the yeah. fish or the whale is very commonly associated from in that sort of time period in culture with despair or distress. And yeah. It yeah. almost be a metaphor in, in the writing itself. Yeah. If you, if the Jew, like in lots of like Jewish writing or writing of that time to portray depths of despair, you would, um, you would put in a, a, a giant sea creature of some kind or um, something from the depths of the sea. And then that, that carried a, a meaning with it. And there's loads of other hints in Jonah about how it's written in quite a satirical style where you've got all of these characters in it. You've got the prophet, 
you've got um, the Assyrian Empire, you've got the sailors, and you've got even like the cows at the end. Um, and none of them behave in the way you expect them to going in as a reader. They all behave in the exact opposite. So the prophet, the man of God, runs away and disobeys God. The sailors um, become um, become followers of Yahweh at the end. They, they're like sailors would have been sort of these rude, brash people. And then they're turned around to be something completely different. Um, the Assyrian Empire turned from their ways and the, the cows wear sackcloth in um, mourning for the acts of their city. Um, so it's all over the top. It's all ridiculous and um, fun. But there is so much depth to um, the meaning and the message behind it. I think it's, I, I could just spend time in that book for ages. Uh, I think that brings, and I have us, done. <laughs> that brings us nicely around to the questions. Um, yeah, I think you've already kind of touched on it, but what do you what would you say that means to you that story? Yeah, I think for me the story gives me hope um, that we talk about God's being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes I feel like I doubt that when I read the Old Testament. I feel like um, he just he looks very different there. And then when I read Jonah, I think. Perhaps not. Perhaps, perhaps um, the God that that drew me in through the life of Jesus has always been that God. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I need that hope. So, yeah. How would you say, uh, sorry, what, what would you say that story means for the church? For the church? I'm trying to distinguish here between the, the message for the church and the message for the world. Um but the the thing about um, forgiveness, that's kind of the big theme that runs through Jonah and the the message of like oh, it's so difficult there where he's asked to go and preach to these people that have um, persecuted his his people and um, killed so many uh so many people and just being awful and he has to go and preach um to them to turn them around and bring them back to god knowing god will forgive them how hard for that is that for us that who are we called to forgive um that perhaps society wouldn't want us to forgive who um who are we called to yeah try and bring back or bring back together in some way that perhaps we would be wanting to outcast um and i i think I, I can think of lots of you know groups of people that i'd be like i i'd never want to see them show up at my church um and yet here we have stories and throughout the bible we have stories of god reaching out to the most broken the most depraved or whatever words you want to use um and yeah doing stuff much beyond that we we can ever expect so it's a challenge in that in in that radical forgiveness and and love, yeah. Cool. So what what would you say that the story means for the world? I I'm finding it hard to distinguish there between the church and the world because the message for the world would be absolutely um we need to forgive each other but actually no the, the message for the world I think I, I, I would love the world to just start seeing God as the loving God that we see in Jonah and we see in Christ. And throughout that story, you see God intimately working in the life of Jonah and turning him around and using him. He's like, by the end of the story, Jonah is still not 
got it together. <laughs> Jonah is still completely broken and ridiculous, as just as much as he was at the start. Um, and God is still working with him. And in, in here, we see God caring so much about a city, about an empire, wanting them to turn from their ways and come back to him. But we also see him working in the life of one person. So it's it's... Yeah, it's just amazing the the breadth of God's love that he can care so much for the hundreds of thousands of people in the city, but also care enough to sit and with Jonah and go through all of his childish tantrums. And um, like, there's a great thing in the in the final chapter of Jonah where Jonah sat under this tree, um, plant grows up to shade him. And um, then the plant, the, a worm eats away the plant and it dies. And um, he just says, oh, I just want to die. I just want to die because this plant is gone. And God um, leaves it with that, with a, leaves, like, ends the story with this message to Jonah just saying, so how um, you did nothing to create that plant. It grew up around you and died and you were, you were devastated. How much um, more do you think I care about the lives of those that you dismissed um, in, in the Assyrian Empire? And it ends we don't even get Jonah's reaction to that we just get this challenge from God and it 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 shifts you into the seat of Jonah and it shifts you into that place of saying actually it doesn't matter what his reaction is in the story because that question is just as applicable to me now as it was to him in the story um so yeah I've, I've rambled off way way off target there but um that thing of what's the message for the world uh God loves us intimately um yeah I think that last bit is really powerful, actually. I think, like I said, the, that's that for me makes sense of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I really like that yeah. um, John is also still a mess at the end. Because I think, especially yeah. in sort of today's culture, we see, you know, that every every film and everything we take in is someone's not good enough at the beginning, and then they go and train and work hard, and then they get better, and then they win, like in a standard Rocky style. That's how yeah. that's how films are now. Like all films are like that. And we kind yeah. of get this impression that we're supposed to work really hard, and then we'll be perfect, and then it'll be, then we won't we won't make a mistake ever again because we've worked for it, and then mm. and then we can go and do. And I think we sometimes say, well, we're not good enough to do this now, so we'll get better first, and then we'll go and do God's work, yeah, and then we'll do it perfectly because we've trained first, and we're not expected yeah. to be a mess after that, yeah. Um, and I think that's a good reminder that God will use us, and doesn't matter if we're a mess at the end or the beginning or in the middle because God's using us. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So our final story uh, for this episode is from Nick. Nick, what have you got for us? Christmas time. Christmas time. Excellent. Christmas time. Yeah. Um, I, I was, when we were chatting about this and we're thinking, what's the favorite um, sort of story or thing from the Bible? I think it was really, I found it really difficult Um and a lot harder than I thought I would do. Um, not because things didn't stand out, but just because so much stood out. Um, and I thought about talking about um, Paul, not you, Paul, the other Paul. Um, and uh, I thought about Easter. Um, and I thought, yeah, and, and several other things. But then the one thing that, that kind of came back to me was was the Christmas story for for its accessibility, I think, is, is really important important for me um i think it's really easy to get wrapped up in big big ideas and um and theologies and different ways of thinking about different things but i think the christmas story is a bit of a leveler really um and i'm not sure i really need to explain it like you guys had to explain (laughs) uh, (laughs) your stories because i'm fairly sure there's 
most of the known world will know the Christmas story and the story that, that Jesus came um, to live amongst us. Um, and I remember someone um, someone who was doing a, a, a theology course. I can't remember if it was um, if it was recently or not, but they asked the question of which was the most important aspect of the Bible. Was it the um, the uh, birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, or uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and, and which was kind of the most important, and it was an essay question. Um, and I reckon at some point in my life, I've, I've settled on each one of those three as being the most important, but at this moment, for me, it's the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Why is that? <laughs> I think it, the, the, something that's tied all our stories together has been the idea of hope. Mm. Um, so when we're talking about Noah's hope for the world, we're talking about John and his hope for us individually as this humanity, um, and I think the Christmas story is both his hope for us individually, but it's also hope for the world. Um, and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration for me to say that it's the single most important moment in in history. Um, so much so that I mean our calendar is based around the year of our Lord. That, that's that. It's not just hold significance just religiously, but also you know uh, across various different platforms. Like I said, the, the fact that we can tell the time and the date <laughs> essentially kind of it all stems from from the birth of Christ. So, but that's um, uh, that kind of makes it a little bit less personal. Um, and for me, it's a it's a really personal. I think it's probably the one of the most intimate stories in the Bible. I think it's something where we can all see, um, or we've all experienced at some points, either someone we know or, or personally, um, the joy of new life, um, whether that's been a family member or, or a friend that's uh, welcomed a child and so on. And to see that firsthand um, personally, and then if you put it into the context of how the the Bible explains it, it just becomes really deeply personal. You're kind of invited into this really intimate setting. Um, and again, there's all kinds of arguments as to, you know, the actual facts of the story, you know, the census and the stable and, and all the rest of it. But for me, again, that really misses the point. And the point is that uh, God cared so much for us that he came to live amongst us to help us out and ultimately to to save us from ourselves. Um, so I think, yeah, draw, drawing people into that story and, and making it about the sharing in the birth and, and the, uh, the joy within that, but, but also into the context of what that birth, what that life means uh, in, a, in a wider context through, through Easter and the rest of it, um, for me is why it's... it's Oh, I don't want to say them. Yeah, I do. I do want to say the most important story in the Bible. I think I've got that far, and certainly wow. my favourite at the moment. Yeah, that's cool. So, back to our our questions. What what would you say specifically that it it means to you? And what what yeah? What does the story of Christmas like mean to you in your day to day? Because we often only bring it out at Christmas, um, but does it have relevance throughout the rest of the year? Absolutely, yeah, and, and there's, there's arguments to as to you know when the actual well when we celebrate on the fifth twenty fifth of December, but um, but I think it is it is massively relevant for the the rest of the year. Um, more so, as I say, in, in the context of it bringing hope, um, hope that 
uh, well, it's hope for, for hopeless, I guess. I think the human race essentially can be seen as pretty hopeless at times, not through the fact that that we that we um, can't do things, but but by the way that we we sometimes fall foul. And I think again, looking at both the stories that you guys shared, I think there's evidence of that within there. And the, the hope of that is that um, that we've got an example to live by. We've got some stories that we're told that can help us put the context into moral issues, personal issues, um, cultural issues. Um, so I think it, it, it provides the, the, the moment of Jesus being born is, it only makes sense in the context of seeing his life, certainly. But I think knowing what's to come gives emphasis to, to the story at the beginning, to the, to the birth at the beginning. So for me, it's the hope of what's to come um whether that's me personally now and what's to come in my life but also the hope of uh what jesus birth and what was to come through his mm. does that yeah, make I sense i guess that's kind of a roundabout way of saying yeah it. yeah it does make sense definitely i think um you also said before about um the intimacy of god wanting to come alongside us and and live life with us so in, the, in that moment of him actually coming to earth in a physical form, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, again, if it's it's impersonal to, I mean, to write a letter can be a personal thing. And we see, you know, we've got a, a Bible full of books and stories and letters, but to come alongside and to actually do it is something really different and something really powerful. Uh, and I think that's the same for us, uh, I guess, probably looking ahead at some of the questions we're about to ask. Um, that makes sense in, through that lens, but but also I think it adds power to uh, to the story itself. It's it's it's, li- it's God living it out essentially, saying, "Look, I care for you. Let me show you." Yeah, yeah. I heard someone once describe it as the most scandalous story in the Bible. <laughs> the all-powerful God, that is the creator of the universe, became man and became human, and we've become so accustomed to the story, haven't we? That I think sometimes we we need to take a step back and go, that's absolutely mad <laughs> that, that he would do that. Or yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is amazing, isn't it? Um, so what does the story mean for our church or our communities? I think, yeah, just, just as, uh, as a kind of reference to uh, a second ago, I think the, the actually doing it is, is the big, yeah. it's, it's the, it's the not writing letters and emails and, and whatever else, but as you're saying, look, I'm here, let's do this. Um, and that's, I think that's a huge personal challenge. Um, and, and it's something that's really, really difficult to live out. Um, but I think, yeah, for, for the message for the church, but also I think it's, it's a way, it's an easier way to connect people um, who not might not necessarily have um a view on religion or on God or on, on anything. It's a, it's a way. It's a story that most people know to be a you know to uh, convey a message. So I think it's, it's a really powerful tool. And I know that um, the church that that I go to, Salvation Army, does a lot of work at Christmas. Um, whether that's being just being visible, being out and about, um, providing good cheer with, with Christmas carols and whatever else. But um, 
I think that's a, a step to in the right direction. I think it's very easy to, to bash the church at times, but I think it's something that we being visible and you know and saying look we're here um, is a really important thing because I, I think sometimes we can, yeah you can go too far and and try to ram a message down someone's throat. But I think um, being available to to speak and to to uh, to to connect people I think is the, the important thing. And the Christmas story is a really really good way to do that because. Everybody knows it. Yeah. And what about for the world? For the world, I've, I've, like I say, it's uh, it's a message of hope. Uh, it's a message for people who, who despair. Um, it's a message for the promise of things to come, um, when, particularly when we look through the lens of Easter. And as I say, that was my, my second choice. I think, well, it was my first choice, and I thought, I'm going to get wrapped up a little bit too much. And then when I thought about it, I actually came down quite heavily on the side of Christmas. But um, but then when we look at, at um, the crucifixion and, and, and everything else and, and Jesus' life as a whole, um, I think the message for the world, it, again, is hope. And I think that's the, as I say, it's a bit of a... A soft answer to give, but that's, I think that ties all three for me, for the church and yeah. for the world. Um, it ties them all together. Is that um, we're not alone in this, um, and that we uh, we've got a God who loves us and who is willing to prove it. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for bringing those. I've I've found that really encouraging, and there've been certainly been a few light bulb moments there of actually how some of these stories are still relevant and still influencing our world today um yeah so if you are listening to this and you think actually i'd like to share your favorite bible story please do that with us in the listener group um i'll try and remember to post in there and ask people what their favorite stories are and maybe maybe it'd be helpful to answer those three questions of what does it mean for you what does it mean for your community or your church and what does it mean for the world um yeah so until next time thank you so much for listening and goodbye Bye.